The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right. Well, we have been going through uh, the gospel. We're started in the Gospel of John. And last week we talked about verses 1 through 3. And just really how John really brings in the truest description of who Jesus is. You know, most people think of Jesus, uh, you know, born in a manger, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. But John says, well, really, if you want to know the genealogy of who Jesus is, you really need to drop all the way back to eternity past because he was with God in the beginning. And through him, through Jesus, all things were created. And so the Son had his existence in eternity past and then became flesh and dwelt among us. So this morning, let's look at verses 4 and 5. When you look at verses 1 through 5, there's three things that John brings out that he's going to continue to bring out through his writing in the gospel. And that is talking about life, talking about light, and talking about darkness. And so, John 1, 4, and 5 says, In Him, talking about Jesus, the Word of God, in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So remember John's purpose in writing in John chapter 20, verse 31. He's saying, look, uh, there's lots that have been written. And I'm just revealing what I'm revealing so that you might know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing this, you will have life in His name. So... John is telling us that in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So when I, just thinking about this, what comes to your mind when you think of life? Anybody, what comes to your mind when you think of life? Breathing. Breathing. Someone else? Life. Survival. Survival. Rebirth. Rebirth. Okay, somebody else? Forever. Forever? What In this context, John is saying, in Jesus was life. Any thoughts? Believing. Pardon? Believing. Believing? <laughs> Someone else? Real life. Real life. Yeah. Versus just living? So life really has more than just a physical existence. Spiritual. Spiritual. Okay. Hope versus existence. It's interesting that this word that John uses, and he uses throughout the gospel, life, it's the word zoe in the Greek, and it really has this idea of the life that God is. 
So not just really natural physical existence, there's, there's, there's more to it. And so <clears throat> he uses it in this idea to speak of e- this spiritual life, this eternal life, the life that God is. In my mind, this really fullness of life. Yes, so somebody said abundance, whoever that was. Yeah, good. Well, John, how did you know my notes where I was at? John 10.10 10 says this. says, the thief comes only, Jesus is saying this, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Some translation says that you might have it to its full. So this idea of more abundantly means that there is something further. There is more, there is abundantly, there is much more. And we talked about last week before you were a believer, you know, it's kind of like, how did I, how did I get along not knowing this? Not, not, not being a part of this life. I mean, because it's, like when you come to faith, all of a sudden there's this, there's this revelation. It's like, oh my goodness, all this that is in front of you, and how did I ever not see any of that? And so when we come to faith, what does Jesus offer us? He offers us life, eternal life. And so we need to understand what happened in the garden. So there was, uh, we read about the fall of man. And what happened in the garden? Man became separated. God removed him from the garden. Before that, it says that in the middle of the day, God would come down and he'd walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the midst of the garden. And so what happened, you know, up to the point of the fall, Adam and Eve, you know, they, before they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had this relationship with God, this perfect union with God. And we know that after they ate the fruit uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, that relationship was severed. They were separated from that life, uh, the life with God. And so, and what we see out throughout the scriptures is that God was working to redeem man, to bring them back to that place. So anytime we read in Scripture and we read about redemption, we have to have the, uh, this idea of that, that, that there was a separation and God all along had been working to restore the relationship between Him and man because it was separated because of sin. And so we realize that this redemption is to bring us back to the life that God wanted, the, the life that man had before the separation in the garden. That was a life with God. And so we understand that Jesus has come in the flesh to bring new life, something that, for me, I didn't have. Until I was 21, I didn't have this life. I was living I was breathing, I had this natural life, but I didn't have this life that he had offered, eternal life. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says this, it says that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too may have 
new life. So this life that he's talking about is this eternal life, this spiritual life, this new life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, Paul speaking to the believers, he's saying, listen, I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding, then they are separated from the life of God. And they're separated from the life of God because of their dark, the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They won't receive the gospel. They won't receive the life that God is offering to them. I like this in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading out of the, I think it's the ESV, no, ERV, uh, easy read version. That's my version right there. Easy read. It says, I was sent, <clears throat> Paul's saying, I was sent to help God's chosen people have faith and understanding the truth that produces a life of devotion for God, to God. And he says, this faith and knowledge make us sure that we have eternal life. And God promised, I like the way the worded it, God promised that life, that eternal life, before time began. And we know that God does not lie. And at the right time, God let the world know about that life. So John, again, uh, I think Doug mentioned last week, so you have, and I think he mentioned this morning, so you have the three Gospels. And we under, have to understand that uh, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And so Matthew's writing and his emphasis, when you read through it, he's emphasizing that Jesus is king. And we read in Luke that he's emphasizing that he's servant. And we lead in, uh, or Mark is servant. And Luke is savior. It seems like an emphasis. And here, John writing, want us to know about the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is God. And as he's writing that he is God, that he was God from the beginning, and he became flesh and dwelt among us, he's still God. And when he came in the flesh, he came for a very specific purpose. So just thinking, I've said this so often, when you read through Scripture, you can get from when you start in Genesis 1 and you read through that God has all along been aiming at something. He's had this plan, he's had this purpose in mind for the redemption of humanity. And we read through these dispensations of time how God made inroads so that man could have fellowship with him. But his ultimate goal was that, that God would be with us, that God would be in us. And the whole goal, the whole aim is that he was aiming at Jesus Christ. He was aiming at the life, death, and burial of Jesus. And so John is saying, look, from eternity past he's been God, but he came in the flesh, and when he came in the flesh it was for a purpose that we might be redeemed, that we might be restored, that we might have that life, that relationship with God that was lost in the garden. And so, it was at then, reading along at that time, God let the world know about that life. And at His appointed season, He has brought it to light through the preaching of the gospel. 
So all of it was aiming at Jesus and not John's just trying to say, look, from eternity past to now, this is what God is aiming at right here. It is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word that became flesh and dwelt among us is that life that was promised to humanity. We know in the gospel of John chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. In John's letter in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, it says, and here's the testimony, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has a son has the life, He who does not have the Son does not have this life. So there's this difference. You know, so many people say, well, I'm a, you know, everybody's a child of God. Well, everybody's a creation of God the Father, but to be a child, that's a very different scenario. So, uh, God has promised this life before time, excuse me, wrong verse, um, is given us eternal life, and this life is in a son. Who has a son has life. He does not have a son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. And I said, the gospel is, I want you to believe. Now he's writing to the believers later in 1 John, I want you to know that you have eternal life, that life, that spiritual life, eternal life that Jesus brought and has promised Now, it says, now, that life was the light of all mankind. So, what do you think about when this this phrase, and that life was the light of all mankind, what do you think about with Jesus when it correlates to light? The concept of just light, what do you think? Somebody? Light. Oh, y'all, real quiet this morning. I mean, I'm tired this morning, but... I know I have to participate. <laughs> light. What comes to your mind? It's the dark. Huh? Pardon? It lights up the whole. You can see everything. Uh, light, okay. Know? You can see. It removes darkness. It removes darkness yes. Someone else? Light. Uh, David? Going along with the Lord's promise? Rainbows? Okay. Someone else? Light. Jesus was, what he, he said it himself, I am the light of the world. Some, brings hope. Okay. Somebody else? Uh, Andrew? Energy? That scientific mind at work. Chemistry? Oh, sorry. It's like, Mic drop. <laughs> All right, so says that Jesus was Jesus's life was the light. I, I think here I read this quote somewhere. It says that light has to do with knowing. Light has to do with knowing, and life has to do with showing. That's interesting. So all along, God's intention to reveal to man his ultimate intended goal, 
He was going to do that through His Son. Through the life of His Son. And so I think about light, you know, that it's revealing. And for me, with this, that Jesus' life became light, there's a lot of things that it did for me. Like I told earlier, how did I get along without this? How did I not know this? But also at the same time, it was revealing to reveal who I was. It began to reveal my lostness. It began to reveal my sin, which when that happens, there's this, for me, there's like this... uh, immediate, uh, there was like this immediate condemnation, like, oh no. And then at the same moment, it was like the Spirit of God said, oh no, huh, this is all good. I need, this is a good thing, right? <laughs> this is a good thing because I'm revealing to you not just your current condition, because before we can really come to the reality of receiving Jesus Christ, there's this reality of our separation, I'm separated from God. And some of us come to Christ not really understanding that and then coming into a realization of it at some point, what Jesus really did for us because He not only revealed our position and our circumstances, but He also revealed the promise of redemption. That He reveals to us the remedy for our fallen nature and the salvation that He's provided through Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's just not like, hey, there's... It's like I've said the gospel is like a coin. It's got two sides. Here's Here's the good and here's the bad. The bad is, this is your position, but the good is, here's the solution. And we all carry that weight. And you don't have to. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Somebody else got any thoughts about that? We were talking the other day, and just the darkest I've ever been, I was in the, pyramid, in the Great Pyramid, and they turn off the lights, and you're all the way inside the Great Pyramid. It wasn't the darkness that I felt. It was now I felt all those stones above me, because I couldn't see, right? It was like, it's a complete... So it's not just the light that you see that allows you to see, but it's light that reveals truth, Hmm. if that makes sense. I like that. So all along, God was preparing a way. There was this, um, we, uh, we see what, you know, there is this, there's these types and shadows of who Jesus is. And that the, the Old Testament is just chucked full. You know, the idea of um, from the flood, through the law, there are all these, in the temple, there are all these types and shadows of reality that is in Christ. And John is just like, he's just bringing it all up to speed. Here's Jesus. And so there is this revealing that Jesus, he is the life bringer. And that Jesus is the light bearer. And often in Scripture you'll see the true light. He's the, he's the true light. He's not a shadow, but He's the reality of all that God had intended. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, <clears throat> For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness is the one 
who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but he will have the light of life. And again, this, the idea of the light of life, the, the, the revelation of eternal life, the revelation of this intimacy again with God, the life that God is, that we get. So this idea of light in the scriptures, a def, you know, this word phos, which means to shine, is defined in many dictionaries as that which, like uh, um, Sid said, uh, contrasts, this contrast of light and darkness. And so light is this median of illumination that makes sight possible or things visible. Now, in the scriptures, it, this word can refer to literal light, but John is not using it that way. He's using it uh, metaphorically or symbolically as a spiritual or a moral light, a spiritual awareness. Again, before we came to Jesus, our spiritual awareness was definitely stunted, right? We, we could think a lot, but it really has this idea of the spiritual awareness and enlightening of our mind and conscious. And so three things I think about when I think about light. And I think that, and John uses it this way a lot in his gospel, is that the light of Jesus brings transformation. Uh, it causes change. Uh, he rescues us from this life of chaos, this complete disorder and confusion when Jesus enters our life. Things change. Our life changes. Second thing I think about with light is that it is, and we talked about it a little bit, it is, it is revealing. So John, uh, later John wrote that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so light shows what is going on in the dark. How many have been in complete darkness and then just a little light shines and all of a sudden you have a little more clarity about where you are and what's going on around you? And so it strips away all the disguises and it shows things as they really are. People never see themselves truly until they see themselves through the eyes of Jesus. And so he drives brings, invites people to God by revealing Him to them. So the third thing I think about then kind of rolls from that is the third thing is that the light of Jesus is a guiding light. It reveals to help us find our way. So when someone is walking in darkness, he doesn't know where he's going. I thought I had my life all figured out when I was 20, and by the time I was 21, I realized I didn't have anything figured out. So it really takes away the guesswork, and for me, it really took away the guesswork about the meaning of life. I used to, before I was a 
believer. I used to say it all the time. My mom and dad were worried, thought it was a suicidal phrase that I said, this life is a joke. I had no meaning. I had no purpose. And so when I came to Christ, it just revealed to me the real meaning of life. And it, uh, the, it, it, I found the, the meaning of life kind of for me came to an end. I, I realized that the meaning of life for me now was in Jesus, something that I'd never had before. Now, John's talking about this, at this light, the, and that life was the light of all mankind, and it says, and that light shines in the darkness. I like that. And the darkness has not overcome it. So this life shines. And I like it because he, t- he drops back to Jesus from eternity past, and then brings it all forward, and he says, and the light shines. So from eternity past, the light was shining. And presently, the light still is shining. I love that. So Christ's light has been shining into the darkness. It says, <clears throat> and it's almost like, I remember I said 40 to 50 years. It's been 40 or 50 years since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And now John's looking back and he's going, and and if you read history, the church, uh, you know, there were all kinds of things that the devil tried to use to trip up the gospel, people believing in Jesus. There was all kinds of belief systems out there. But even in the current world, the current darkness, the current confusion, John is saying, and the light shines. So he saw the gospel advance. He saw the difficulties of it, but he saw the gospel that continued to prevail in the middle of the darkness. And so he's saying, you need to understand that the light shines into darkness. And the world might not comprehend it, but it's still there. It still shines. Now look through your life. I, I can remember... Uh, from the time I was a teenager until uh, I finally came to this place of receiving Christ, there were moments where I didn't have stuff figured out, and there were moments that the light would shine, but I didn't grab, I didn't understand it. I, did, I, I couldn't grab a hold of it. But there was a point in time in my life that it, it hit me. So the light shines in the present tense. It's continuing to shine into the darkness. And so it is the function of light. Specifically, think about this. The function of light is to dispel darkness. The function of light, it, it dispels darkness. It opposes darkness. It brings awareness. It brings clarity. Now, last week we compared John 1 and Genesis 1, just those two things in the beginning. God created in the beginning was the Word, and we see a lot of similarities how John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is revealing who Jesus is from the beginning. And what was the first thing God created in, Gen- in the Genesis account? Light. He created light. I like that. 
And, and then that was it. that's in verse 3. Well, verse 2 says this, you know, but John, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and there was, it was empty, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the God hovered over the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light. And that light that was there penetrated the darkness and continues to penetrate the darkness. It has not, nor can. This, this, this uh, you know, you, sometimes the simple is simple, but sometimes the simple is so profound. It is so profound. Because when you strike a light, the light will never be extinguished by the darkness. No, how, no matter how great the darkness, the light will never be put out. So like Doug said in the cave, you could have the tiniest, the tiniest omittance of light and darkness will never extinguish the light. The light always dispels darkness. I don't know about you, but for me, that is kind of... Think about this. Is it Psalms 119.105? It says, the word is a lamp and my feet and a light in my path. And we know that back in the day, it wasn't like we had the gazillion lumens of light that can shine from here to California type thing. It is, they had a candle. And so if you are in the darkness and you lit your candle, then the darkness would be dispelled so far around you, right? All of us have had this experience. It's pitch black. We're in the woods. Wherever we are, it's total darkness. And if you don't have the light of the moon, it's really total darkness. There's no street lamps anywhere, and you light a light, and you can see so far. And then when you move a few feet, you see a few feet further. And as you move a few feet more, you see a few feet further. And it's telling to me, uh, David, uh, you grab a hold of the fact that the word is a lamp under my feet and a light in my path. So as I keep walking, as I keep moving... I keep seeing. I keep having clarity uh, of what is around me. And then think about when you're when it's complete darkness and there is a light that is way far away and you can see it through the darkness. That just... so here, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, how often is it that you're going somewhere and you can see the light a long way off? And if you can picture this, so here is the light. And what we need to do is we just need to keep walking toward the light. We can have light. We can have a light on where we are. We can have this candle in our hand, so to speak. We can see so far, but we know that there is something way out there. And there's this, what is between us and that? Darkness is between us and that. But as we walk, it's not. Because as we walk, we keep having light. 
that keeps dispelling the darkness as we keep walking. And so often, it, it just is... Uh, it is something that as believers we can miss this truth that this encouragement that we have constantly from Scripture is continue to walk in the light as He is in the light and we will have fellowship one with another. And what we do sometimes is we, it just seems like from that light to where I am, all that darkness in between, all that I don't understand, we're never to quit on it. The encouragement is to continue to walk in the light. Or, if you could put it this way, continue to walk toward that truth. And as we do, we keep seeing where we are. We have a better reality of where we are. So this simplicity of truth that John's trying to communicate to us is really a profound truth. In Jesus he was that life that brings a reality. It brings clarity to us as we walk. Anybody have thoughts about that? Um, you want to run a mic? Just hang on just a second. Otherwise, it's dead air. Not loud enough. What came to mind, is this on? Yeah. Years ago, Paul and I were on the eastern part of Ecuador. We wanted to see where all the new roads were going in. So we went that way, and we were headed towards the city of Zamora. And I remember when the good road finished, it was getting dark, and we kept thinking, um, oh, we should have stayed in the last town, found a place to spend the night, because it was getting darker and darker. and and then we get to this road that's not finished, and we were quite a ways yet, we knew from the town or city we were headed for. And I thought, oh no, I hate this. <laughs> Just going through a rough road, it was a road, but it was rough, and who knows how long we'd have to be on this on the dark. And I thought, boy, a flat tire, and you, your mind goes a little bit wild. <laughs> Finally, a long ways away, we could see the light of the city of Zamora. And it's just like, whew, at last, we're almost there. Mm, and all I good. could think about was the light gave us hope that we're, we're almost there. We could find a place to spend the night and rest. Mm. And we wanted to see light in mm. the end. We didn't want a flat tire out in the darkness somewhere. That's good. Tom, did you have something? I saw you. I thought I saw something going, spinning. Somebody else? Um, I was thinking, you know, like um, in Colombia, we are all, most, most of the people are Catholics. We are raised Catholics. And then you go and you see it and you are in, in your mass and you don't really realize who is Jesus Christ. So you are sitting there, but you are blind. You don't understand. And then when, you know, for me, when, when I was able to understand who the Lord is, then, you know, I was able to see. And I think that we all need to do that. Mm, that's good. Anyone else? All right. So, 
the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when John uses this idea of darkness, it's not the naturalness. It's the spiritual that he's bringing in, a spiritual darkness, a moral darkness. You see the contrast that you have life, light, God. You have darkness that is not that. And it, so the, these contrasts that we're going to see, not just here, but as John walks through. So there is life, there is light, and there is darkness in this, this contrast between light and darkness. And a lot of times John uses this and writers use darkness as moral darkness and moral darkness from sin. Paul speaks about it in Ephesians chapter 5 when he speaks of darkness signifying to the believers in Ephesus telling them, look, don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. So darkness has this meaning referring to fallen mankind, darkened by sin and darkened by unbelief. John 12 verse 46, Jesus says this, I have come into the world as a light. Um, so that I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. For me, so often uh, through my life as a believer, there have been these times that seemed... They were dark. By that I mean it was like I didn't have clarity. I couldn't see. It seemed like I was overwhelmed. You know, I is fighting my way through. You know, often as a believer you think, well, I'm a believer. You know, God is with me. God is for me. Why is this on me? Why, why is this happening to me in my life? And we can, we can stay there and we can, we can just allow it just to pile onto our life. Or we can grab a hold of this truth that Jesus is saying, look, I am the light of the world. And I come as a light into the world so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Just the admonition and the encouragement, that hope that he has more for me. There is more. There's, there's much more. Even though whatever's going on around me, and I've said this so often, this contention, this, this thing that we can't quite grab a hold of that, that is difficult for us at times is that here's what God has promised. He's promises light. He's promises love. He's all these promises that are over here. And yet at the same time, the way that we arrive there is through trials and tribulations and purging and pruning. Those are so hard to grab a hold of. How do we connect them together? And it is this right here. Jesus said, hey, if you believe in me, I've come so that I could be a lie of the world that whoever believed in me would not stay in this place of and just put the definitions in there for darkness, chaos, I can't see, uh, this lack of clarity, whatever it is, 
Jesus has come so that we don't stay there. You know, thinking about this whole idea that, that light does not overcome darkness. And that often we, the world cannot comprehend the light. And they can't comprehend the light because not just that they're in darkness, but they love the darkness. And I think we'll get into that next week. That's, there's a lot there. So let's just stop here. Father, um, you know, just simple truths. So profound. That if we would just put one plus one equal two, me believing in Jesus equal light, equals life. And if when I get to places that that doesn't seem to be adding up, I can just grab a hold of this verse in John chapter 12 and realize that you sent Jesus into the world so that my life doesn't have to stay in darkness. I'm believing in him and my life doesn't have to stay there. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Can we just, can we embrace that this morning? Can we believe that this morning? Help us, help us to believe that this morning. That no matter what goes on, no matter what is around us, we have this promise, this hope of life, and that life is an eternity, an eternal life with you. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.